This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Animind, an anime podcast where we nerd out about all things anime and dive deeply into the storytelling art form while dissecting the psychological aspects that it speaks to. I'm your co-host, Danny Ari. And I'm your co-host, Graham Pugh. And I'm your third co-host, Matthew Basil. And welcome to the premiere, episode one, of our second season of Anime. We are back from hiatus. Now that was everyone's break. I, I lived through it. You lived through it. That's good. <laughs> so there's that. Even though the universe didn't want us to record this season. Yeah. Oh, no. Sicknesses and yep. all other things. Two or three weeks, was it? Yeah, yeah. At least, yeah. 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 Apparently the anime crew partied a little too hard over uh, their hiatus. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, rolled so hard that I got a, a lung infection. Yeah, <laughs> I got a sinus infection. Yep. Graham, what infection did you get? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did finally crawl back from hiatus and we are back here to once again talk anime, talk psychology talk mental health talk all those on all those fun things uh we're, i know we have some uh, special requests this season which will be cool i think that's uh, first for us so we're talking a lot of demons i think this season i've been told uh <laughs> for those of you who are just joining the party here uh for this uh, this episode I, I am new fairly new to anime i i um was introduced to it last season so i've only seen what 12 13 i think uh episodes we did it's last a, it's season. been a fun journey for us yeah so um but <laughs> i'm told we got a lot of demons coming up uh, <laughs> this season yeah i've already started watching uh one of the series that we're going to watch later uh which one uh chainsaw man it's oh, uh, okay. the second episode on tuesday nice nice I'm looking yeah. forward to being able to cover that yeah yeah i'm excited about covering that too I remember you sent us the trailer last season, and I was like, wow, okay, I don't know what I just watched, but I know I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, the art seems really exciting, at least from the manga that I've kind of browsed a little bit. I haven't really gotten into it because I haven't had the time, but I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. It, it, it definitely holds up, like, visually. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, so, so look forward to that. We will be doing a chainsaw man episode in another couple months uh we just wanted to wait till that season uh i got fully underway so everyone could get caught up because <laughs> it's the first season right they just released it there you go see i'm learning my anime i'm getting into the community here but uh in this episode we will be talking see i'm gonna butcher his name i knew i was saying in my head all day today to prepare Haya miyazaki did i get that close there you go. We're going to be talking about Hayao Miyazaki film, uh, Howl's Moving Castle. For those of you who were with us for season one, you know all three of us are huge fans of his. So I hope you don't mind, but we're probably going to be doing at least a movie, if not two or three, every season of his until we run out. So we're going to be starting with Howl's Moving Castle uh, this, uh, this season. So let's uh, jump right into it. I don't know if you two saw it. I mean, this was new for me, obviously. Yeah, it was new for me as well, as much oh, as... Okay. I had heard a lot of my friends talking about it because I was like, I think one of the first ones I ever watched was Ponyo and when we did last uh, Spirited Away were my, mm. my first two that I had actually seen. So I, I haven't seen Kiki's delivery service either. There's a couple that I was meaning to watch and this was one of them, especially because all my friends have cosplayed Howl at some point. Mm. And now I see why. 
Yeah, oh, you get boy. it, right? Oh, boy. <laughs> I feel like you like Kiki, especially. I do but, like yeah. cats. I like cats and broody boys, so, you know? <laughs> so Kiki's delivery service will be, will be coming up <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> so how did everybody like it? I've seen it before. I grew up watching this movie uh, a lot because it was my sister's favorite Studio Ghibli movie. And I, I always enjoy being able to watch it. I want to hear, since it was your first time for you guys, how you liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, my cat wanted to be part, so I muted myself, and then I forgot to unmute my story. Anyway, I thought it was really good. Um, I really appreciate uh, character development. It's We've talked about this a billion times, but as a writer, character development is so important to me, and seeing why characters are the way they are, and how they change over time, and I love metaphors, and the way that they changed physically as well as like their characterization as well. Like everything kind of grew and changed and these metamorphoses, like, oh, it's just, it was so good. It was just poetic to watch. And as usual, the art was beautiful and the music was great. And just, just the setting in general was just very enjoyable. Like I, I, I want to watch it again when it's like raining and just, cozy up it sounds great but i loved it yeah it is a nice cozy up movie i will give you that it's a nice one to just do on a rainy day because it's it's i mean like i get i mean i've only this is the third movie of his i've seen uh because we did spirited away last season and we did um totoro uh, the other rainy day movie the other rainy day uplifting movie yes exactly and this reminded me a lot of my neighbor totoro uh both of those i just feel like are just if you're having a down day these these are great movies to watch I, i i Agree with you with the art too. I mean, I guess we'll start there. I, I just thought the art was so amazing, uh, especially. I mean, it carries throughout, but I just remember seeing like the the scenes where they're in the town at the beginning, and it was just like, wow, this. I, I wouldn't even want it to be a live action. Like, it just feels so fully realized as an animation. I, I don't know why you would even. I mean, I don't. I don't think it has been done in live action i hope it does and because i just there's no reason to it's just the art is so beautiful the characters and the setting and the colors just are so vibrant and i just i actually think it would be less vibrant if it was done in live action and that really astounded me right off the bat with this movie yeah i agree and one of the things i thought was really cool is one of the things that happens is that there's this magic door, right? And it goes to different places. The color schemes of each of those places were so different. I don't want to even say it was a different seasons, but it was just like the whole landscape was different. And the the wastes where it's all rainy and cold. And then you have the spring, like later on, you've got the bustling city. I really appreciated the use of color for each of those different settings. And then, like, each of the different places in the city that the door is, like, connected to, everyone has kind of distinct uniforms and stuff like that. Like, you see soldiers walking around at different points in the movie. There's some that are, like, blue and some that are green. But, yeah, very colorful and very detailed. For those of you who uh, are listening and are like Danny and me who haven't seen this movie yet, it's it's basically, just to give a quick synopsis so you know what we're talking about, it's... It's basically a movie about a young, I guess, is, is she a girl or a woman? I, well, I, think, I, I she's think she's like, a uh, woman. 17, 18, say, yeah, so she's a woman. She's actually the older sister, even though it, the other okay. one has like, makeup and stuff. She goes, I'm the oldest, so I had to take care of the hat shop. Ah, okay, you're right. That yeah. Makes the belt. So it, she and, she looks younger. Off. Because the younger sister has a full face of makeup and she's super busty and real pretty. She compares herself to her sister constantly. That's why she's like, oh, I'm not pretty. And I'm like, you're just different. Just because you look different and you're not super busty and wearing a ton of makeup doesn't mean you're not pretty. That was one of my favorite ideas of the movie is that beauty is not a, a set like standard you know it's different and people can be different and beautiful differently they can be beautiful in different ways it was it was like one of my favorite parts of of this because like one of the first things you hear is oh how you gotta watch out he's kind of like a legend or like a like a fairy tale like oh watch out he'll get you he'll steal your heart blah 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 and no one really knows him they just hear all these things these rumors, whether or not they're true. Oh, it's okay. They only steal, he only steals pretty girls' hearts. 
And she's like, well, I'm not worried about it. And I'm just like, honey, no. <laughs> and I love her. I relate to her so hard. She's just a sweetheart and she like wants the best. She she doesn't ask for anything. She, she just wants to be nice to be nice. She's very genuine, I think. She has this low self-esteem that as a kid, I especially related to. Like, I mean, I still do, but... Like, as a kid watching it, I was kind of like, oh, oh, my, oh, poor Sophie. She's very introverted compared to her sister who's very outgoing and all the guys like, hey, where's your sister? And stuff like that. Yeah, everybody's talking about her, talking to her, waving. Like, she's just the center of attention all the time, which makes sense why Sophie's just so, like, withdrawn and, like, quiet. She's like, oh, well, she's going to get all the attention. I'm not even going to, like, you know, and that... I don't know. I think that she took that as, oh, I'm not pretty like her because she gets all this attention. You know, she's just outgoing, wears makeup. Like, that doesn't mean nothing, you know? <laughs> but then you were talking about character development. Even fairly early on, you can see Sophie, once she kind of meets the rest of the main cast, you see she's got a little bit of sass to her. She's got a little bit of bite. And I she'll love keep her. In line. My favorite dynamic was Calcifer and Sophie because she's like she's sassy and he's sassy and he's like well I don't have to listen to you and she's just like I'm gonna use my wit to like outsmart you and just show you how silly you're being basically and it's just so good and even Howell's like hmm he's listening to you that that's a, that's an accomplishment basically and <laughs> and like he tries to come off as intimidating. He's like, I'm a scary and powerful fire demon, but he's just like a little tiny fireball. And, and then you see how helpless he he really is. He's like, precious. He's and, so precious. Cause he's like, Oh God, oh, I'm going to burn out. Help me, help me. I'm dying. And she's like, you're fine. Calm and he's down, like clinging relax. to the last log. Oh my gosh. So good. And the little coal is like uh, dangling with his tiny feet hanging below and Sophie's blaming him for stuff. Cal's like, oh, how did how did she get in here? And then she's like, oh, Calcifer, let me... He's like, what? No, I didn't. But, like, she keeps everyone in line. She kind of becomes the mom of... Or she she yeah. is the mom of the group, basically. Say, she becomes the mom figure, essentially, because she's like, this place is a mess. And Hal's like, don't get too carried away. And, like, that comes to, like, one of my other favorite scenes. I'm sure we'll get to. But back on track a little bit. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm rusty, okay? <laughs> We're brushing off the cobwebs. Yeah, well, so, so again, if you haven't, aren't familiar with the movie, Sophie is the, is the young woman. And the whole theme of the movie is inner beauty. But not I, I, what I liked about it is I, I'm definitely a believer in inner beauty and everything like that. Although it's, it's also been done a lot as well. I felt like this one wasn't, it was doing it in a way that wasn't, it, it, it didn't feel like it was forced down your throat. But it was very, very evident and I think very, very well done uh, to showcase Sophie's inner beauty because the whole premise, without spoiling anything, because this is like the first like 15 minutes, is she's put a, a curse is put on her where she's turned into an old lady, basically, at the end of her life. And so she kind of wanders and finds Hal, who lives in a walking Call the castle. It looks like a cottage thing. I don't know. Maybe that's a castle. It looks like a hunk of junk, let's <laughs> be honest. Yeah, it's a hunk of junk. But anyway, she ends up with Hal, who is a wizard who is reputed to be a, an evil wizard. And um, neither is the case. Hal's not an evil wizard, and Sophie's not a, an old lady. Both have right. to kind of find their inner, what they are really underneath that. I would argue that I don't think the main theme is about like inner beauty so much as things aren't what they appear because right off the bat, Sophie's not an old lady. Her mom isn't this doting, sweet mom. She's never home. Calcifer isn't a fire demon. This house isn't what it looks like. It's a magic house. It doesn't even look like, it looks like a hunk of junk, you know? Um, the little boy, he's not an old man. The Howl isn't Pendragon and all these other names. Like, he's none of that. And he's also not this heart-eating, stealing, uh, bad man. And it's it's funny because he himself doesn't have a heart. And it's it's quite literal, actually. He isn't heart heartless in the aspect of he doesn't care about people. Because he, he feeds everybody and he cares about this little boy who he's teaching and he cares about Calcifer and he even cares about Sophie who's in trouble in the first five minutes of the film and he saves her. 
That's true. Yeah. And yeah. so he's not what people say about him. And she thinks she's ugly and her self-esteem is just in the toilet, basically. And she's not. And she's caring. And she's, you know, it, it's just so many dimensions of this whole idea of things aren't what they seem. And that includes inner beauty, I think, because each of these characters has their own their war- their own warmth. That made me think, actually, that I'm pretty sure almost everyone of the, like, named major characters, they've got something that... It turns out to not what you see is not what you get. Especially like curses and stuff. Like curses yeah. are so big in this. Even the villain, the uh, the witch of the waste. Yeah, I was turns out to not be what you originally think she is. All these kind of people kind of make a ragtag group, and they eventually kind of see each other for what they are, and they still make things work somehow. One of the things I want to get to is spoilery. Like, really spoiler. I was going to say, we, I, I feel like we do need to <laughs> put a spoiler warning. I was going to say, because yet. it's a movie, if it was a series, I wouldn't say, like, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. We, but I think we, we're going to say spoilers after this. I think so, yeah. Oh, for those, again, new listeners, we, we tend to try to stay or steer clear spoilers in the series. But movies, a little difficult to really dissect without spoilers. So, yeah, I guess from here on out... If you haven't seen Howl's Moving Castle and don't want it to be spoiled, I would stop listening, go watch Howl's Moving Castle, and then come back and listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, one thing that's huge that I loved how they did, and it took me the second watch to realize it, because I, I started picking up on it in the first watch, and then the second watch, I was like, okay. So, one of the things is that she's cursed. You don't, re- you don't get told what this curse is. Essentially... You're thinking, oh, it just makes her an old lady. But then why does she change sometimes? Why does she, why is she like look younger sometimes? Why does she, you know, she changes throughout the movie. She has probably much like Howell, like four or five different looks throughout the entirety of the movie. And I realized as I was picking up what's happening during each of these scenes, it's how she sees herself. It's her, her confidence level and the way that she's, asserting herself her or like her confidence in general whether it's about herself or how she's feeling because one of the first times is when she's helping howl and you see her she was like this hunched over super droopy old lady because her confidence is in the toilet and then she's with this little boy who's appreciating her help and calcifer who's joking around with her and you start to see like her some of her wrinkles start to go away she stands a little straighter so she's like more like 50 60 and not 80 90 and then when she's getting excited with um, talking to the the the, ma- the main magician woman um, in in the king's court, you know she gets mad. She goes, "You don't know anything about Howl." And when she says that, her whole face like shapes itself to be younger for a split second, and then her confidence gets knocked down, and she turns back into that old lady. And that's immediately what the magician woman basically saw through. She goes, oh, I get it. You're in love with him. Because she gets so passionate. She gets so full throttle that she forgets about feeling ugly. And, like, because she's in love. So she forgets that she feels ugly. Because love makes you feel beautiful. And I thought that was, like, so well portrayed in the way that Every time she was trying to help, every time that, you know, Hal was, like, sick or hurt, she would, like, get younger. Or when he surprised her with with the fields, and you would understand why that's important later on. And so many things happen, and she just becomes, like, young. I mean, she still has the white hair, but she becomes this this young character. And I think it's really cool the way they did that with with the young and the old and fluctuating based on how she's feeling about herself and her confidence throughout the movie. Also the way that the hair color of them basically swaps and kind of their position swaps because they're helping each other in different ways. And that one's so feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I, I really appreciated the, the use of the color, like the hair color and the, the use of like the old versus young, like to differentiate different milestones, I guess, throughout the film. I didn't notice uh, some of those instances, like on first viewing, like you were saying, there was a few that you brought up just now that I'm like, oh, okay. Because when I first watched the movie as a kid, I was like, how come she's old sometimes and young sometimes? 
And then I remember a few years ago when I was rewatching House Moving Castle, I looked that up because I was like, what is with that? I never figured that out. And then it was like you said, when she's feeling more confident, then she transforms into a younger version of herself. There's still a few scenes where I'm like, I'm not really noticing it. And then like you pointed out, like, oh yeah, you might not get that earlier. Or even when she's asleep because she sleeps and Hal walks past her and she's all normal. So he he knows she's cursed. Yeah, like I remember that one because I was like, wait, but she's asleep. How would she? Okay, yeah. Because she's not actively, it's 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 more of a curse for her. It's not a curse for anybody else. Like, nope, it's, yeah. like, that's the point. Because it's not described, that's why it's important. Because it affects how she sees herself. Because she already sees herself that certain way. Yeah. And when she's asleep, she's not really thinking about how she feels ugly or not worthy or whatever. And unlovable. And, and it's it's sad to see that because her mom's character is really upsetting to me. She's such a minor character, but it says so much, the few, like, two scenes you see of her. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating because, like, you see why Sophie feels that way about herself. Because her mom is just too busy, too busy chasing love, chasing men, materialistic things. And she's not that way. So she's like, well, I'm not materialistic. Maybe I'm, I'm not lovable, you know? And it's so sad. That's, I guess, why I said inner beauty, because I didn't mean it as necessarily like, oh, well, you're a good person and it doesn't matter what you look like. I meant like the inner beauty and the fact that like your true self or, your, or your, what you can, what you have to offer, what your true power is, for lack of a better term. Because I went through the same thing kind of Graham did. As I'm watching it, I was like, wait a minute. I, did she just get younger? Or I, like, I thought she looked older. Like, like, cause when she first turns, like she's like, I mean, like wrinkled, hunched over, like, oh, I mean, her nose is big. It, it's, it's definitely pronounced that she's older. And then, like you said, some scenes she shifts back and it looks like she's just like maybe, maybe in her forties, fifties at most. And then other times she looks like she's like a hundred years old. And I was a little confused. And then I kind of realized the emotional tie like you did Danny and I'm like oh okay that's cool that they keep again with the animation shifting so seamlessly because no one takes notice in the movie and everything like that but I was still confused as I'm watching the movie I'm like wait so like what her love does that like what you did so then I looked it up and I was surprised to find out this is not a Hayao Miyazaki original this is a novel that he adapted it was based on a novel by the same name written by a Welsh author named Diana Wynn Wynn, uh, Jones and Hayao Miyazaki wasn't even going to direct it originally. It was going to be Mamoru Hosada, um, but he's Mamoru Hosada. There you go. Yeah, it was supposed to be him. He dropped out suddenly, and Hayao Miyazaki took over. We'll actually be doing. Oh yeah, it so fits him because it's so magical, and we'll actually be doing a Mamoru Hosada. Is that Mamoru Hosada? Mamoru Hosada. Uh, we'll be doing the girl left through time, um, left through time later on the season. So we'll be checking him out. But, um, so I, I don't think I've seen a movie of his, so I can't tell, but Hayao Miyazaki seemed like such a good fit for this. I was like, who, who thought about giving it to anyone else? No offense against this other guy who I haven't seen any of his work. Yet, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, the book, um, though, makes it very clear and outrightly states it where the movie just kind of leaves you to infer it is that Sophie is a witch. So that is why she is able to reverse the spell to some degree and break it while she's sleeping. What? Yeah, Sophie's what? actually a witch herself. It's it's it, it's not made overtly clear in the movie, although it's I just need to rewatch this movie with that in mind. I know. I was missed as soon as I found out. She's a I don't know how they don't mention it in the movie, but you're supposed to infer it because that's why she goes back to younger because when she feels confident and she's, hmm. you know, passionate and she's reaching into her true self, she can actually reverse or even break the spell like while she's asleep because she's her true self. She doesn't have all those like things, programs that her mother put in her to make her feel down. So because she was her, you know, she doesn't have those programs running, she breaks the spell because she's a more powerful witch than the witch of the waste. And that's why she's, um, again, we're in spoiler territory, so that's why I can say this now. That's why she's the only one who can save Calcifer and Hal at the end because she's a witch and so she can do it without killing both of them. 
I, I know, I know that the listeners can't see me right now, but I'm having <laughs> Tiffany faces. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's also I'm why. I'm my mind right now. Yeah. That's no, why I'm she gives Calcifer her hair. And like, as soon as Calcifer just, Calcifer's like, you need to give me everything, you know, for me to do what you need me to do. And he, she just gives her her hair, like a lock of her hair. And oh he's like, becomes God. super oh powerful God. from it. Oh my God. Because we are supposed to, from all these things, realize she's a witch, just Holy like Cal's God. a wizard. But yeah, they never outrightly state in the book. They outrightly state that she's a witch. She comes oh my from the god! Okay, <laughs> okay. So my my thing that I was going to mention about the book was not nearly as exciting or shattering. <laughs> um, so that's why I'm the, sitting here when you're talking about it with you, and I'm like, oh god, you don't know, do you? I can't oh wait. Oh my to god! <laughs> no, I'm like losing it right now. That's wild. Okay, well, fun. That was fun fact. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. <laughs> So yeah, it makes me want to. I want to watch the movie again now right? too. Right, I'm gonna watch it like, for a third time and like. Right, because <laughs> now be you get so much more depth, and that's why I, like I said, took it as oh, inner beauty, because it's like she found her her like power, like her gift, damn. basically, through her. Damn, damn, damn! That's that's wild. If you or someone you know is listening to this podcast right now, and you're struggling with suicide, addiction, self harm or depression, we encourage you guys to please reach out. This is the heartbeat of why we do what we do. Suicide is currently the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. And as of this recording, there are 132 suicides that take place each and every day on American soil. And when you scale back internationally, there are 800,000 successful suicides. That is one death roughly every 40 seconds. So if you or someone you know is struggling, you guys can go to victimsandvillains.net forward slash hope. That resource is going to be right in the description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this. There you'll find resources that include the National Suicide Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255. You can also text HELP to 741-741. We also have a plethora of other resources, including churches, getting connected with counselors, LGBT resources like the Trevor Project, and also Veteran Hotline as well. Please, if you hear nothing else in the show, understand that you, yes, you listening to this right now, have value and worth. We get it. Suicide, depression, mental health, these are hard topics, and the stigma around them doesn't make it any easier. But please, consider the resources right in the descriptions below, wherever you guys are listening, because... Once again, you have value and you have worth. So please stay with us. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I thought it was really funny that uh, Hal was such a crybaby because everyone thinks he's this, again, with the whole things aren't what they appear. Everyone thinks he's big and scary and ah, and super powerful and wild and, and super badass, which, I mean, he is. But, like, he's a big old baby. 
Oh, yeah. out when his hair dye gets switched around <laughs> and his he's hair just such a man tantrum. <laughs> okay, keep in mind this boy. This boy. I don't. He, I'm gonna say boy because he's acting like a child. This boy, he straight up freaks out. He's like, "You ruined me. What's worth? Life isn't worth living if I can't be beautiful." Which like follows that whole idea that mm. like Sophie was like, "Like, oh God, if you're not beautiful, you're not worth anything," kind of thing. But she's just like, "Calm down. You're fine. Your hair doesn't look bad. It's just a weird color. It's fine." And he's like, "God, what's the point?" And he he sulks so hard he starts melting. Like, come on, how yep. how childish can you be right now? He starts calling on the shadows of darkness yeah. with his, like his soul because he's so heartbroken that he's not beautiful, and it's just like, like really, really, are you gonna be like this? She has to like physically help this man, child. Um, <laughs> yeah, wide stairs. He's all gooey and melting, and she's like, get him in the bath. He'll be all right. He's and, literally like emo melting in the right. shower. Like. Such a physical representation of his like, oh God, what's the point? <laughs> and it was just, I was just like, oh my God. And I was actually reading uh, somebody who'd read, like somebody had posted like a blog about the, the book. He's even more dramatic in the book. He's oh a bigger God. crybaby about so many things in the book. And he's so childish. And you're just, wow. People love Howl, which is fine and cool. And I love Howl, don't get me wrong. But the whiniest man-child. And that's why when Graham is like, she's like the mother. I'm like, no, she's she's like the mother. She's like, pick, your sh- pick yourself up and get it together. Because you're a grown wizard. You're... Yeah. You so I mean, much power, and you're gonna use it to sulk. And in that scene, uh, the boy, like his apprentice Markle, even says, like when the shadows are coming up, and he's starting to make, he's like, "Oh yeah, I saw him do this once when a girl broke up with him." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So I think I that was like a uh, like to allude to like what happened in the book. I think something similar happened like that. Like he's not used to having whatever his heart, quote unquote, broken. Like, or someone reject him because it because he's so vain and it's so obvious. And I, I really do want to read the book now because, like, that just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's so good. I love it. I love when things are just so much not like what they appear as. So good. Yeah, I already wanted to read the book originally because... I remember growing up watching this, my neighbor who introduced us to Studio Ghibli, she owned a copy of the book and she let my sister borrow it, but I never got to read it myself. And now that you mentioned like how he's even more dramatic in the book and Matt was mentioning uh, how Sophie's a witch in the uh, original story, I'm like, okay, now I got to check it out. But uh, going off of kind of Hal's childish behavior, it makes sense when you kind of get that flashback or kind of time jump later in the movie. And and that's what makes sense now that I'm thinking about what he said. She's a witch. She's able to freaking go back in time. Like, so something that I also realize is that that ring, it amplifies her, her power. Now that, like, you say that, I'm like, because he goes, this will lead you home, but... At some point, she's in the home, and it's leading her elsewhere. It's more so, it's leading her to how? It's leading her to her, like, deepest desire. Oh, and she wants to help him. So it's following her command, essentially. I hadn't thought of it like that. I I guess I kind of thought of it as it kind of guides her to the castle or to, like, Calcifer. Because later in the movie, when they kind of jump back in time, it kind of leads her to the place where young Hal and Calcifer are. When Calcifer first comes down and meets Hal and... They make the pact, and Hal gives him his heart, and I don't know, I hadn't thought of it like that. I was thinking earlier, maybe the reason why Hal is so childish is because he lost, he gave up his heart at such a young age. Like, he was just a little boy when he gave up his heart, and maybe that's part of the reason why he's so childish. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, God. Okay, so that whole, like, this is one of the things I did want to talk about, was that whole scene with her kind of like time jump. Keep in mind the first thing he says to her, I've been looking everywhere for you. And I thought that was him playing the part of, oh, this is my my girl and I'm going to save her from these these big scary soldier men that are like trying to take advantage of her. But no, when you think about it, 
she went back in time with whatever powers. He remembered her and he, he found her. He's the one who found her. And it's just like, my heart. Oh, God. Oh, I can't. I, I, I'm so overwhelmed with feelings right now about it. In the past few years, I made that connection because I think she says, because right before like the time jump kind of ends, she says, look for me in the future or, or something along those lines. And then when he's like, oh, yeah, that's like, I've been looking everywhere for you. He's just, like, like, very casual about it. And it's just, it seems kind of like a write-off at first where it's like, oh, yeah, he's right. playing the boyfriend. And then it's kind of Ugh. recontextualized after you've seen the movie you, before. You don't see a lot of things that do time travel that simply and that concisely and that beautifully. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make a mess. It's so, it's <laughs> open and shut. It doesn't yeah. cause a bunch of chaos. You don't, you don't have all these extra questions. You're just yeah. like... This makes sense, and it's great, and it's beautiful, and without that time jump, the story wouldn't have been the same. Like, oh, God, I, uh, I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm not a fan of time travel at all. I still, to this day, and this might horrify some people out there, I still, to this day, have not seen Endgame because I refuse. Endgame? Uh, Marvel. And, oh, 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 yes, yes, game. yes. Because I refuse to do time travel. Now we'll see how this goes when the girl left through time, which I'm sure is about time travel, but we'll see how I stand with that one. But yes, I agree with you, Danny. Usually I'm a huge downer on time travel because anything I've tried to read on time travel, it sounds cool. They so just messy. muddle it up and I'm yep. like, I, I, I'm too logical. I got to figure yeah, it out. Same. And I can't just be like, yeah, sure. This guy shot this guy and then somehow got in the future and he gave birth to. No, no. I, I need something that makes sense here rationally yeah. for me to hold yep. this together. But this movie, I do agree with you. They did it beautifully. You don't even realize it until like after you finish watching That's the movie. That's how seamless it is, because usually time travel, you're like, this doesn't make sense. How is this a thing? But it's just done so well. Oh my gosh, that you don't even question it. It's so seamless. Ugh. I think from what I remember, it's been a few years, that the girl who left their time actually handles it pretty logically. Uh, I'll <laughs> In House Moving Castle, that scene is so brief. You don't even realize, like, it's in the past for a minute. You just see, like, the falling stars, and Sophie's out in the field that... Is the field you see earlier in the movie when yes! Hal's like, ah! all the uh, all the different areas through the portal in the castle door? Ah! And he's like, "Hey, yeah, I found this place for you. Or field full ah! of flowers." But you don't even see anything that indicates that Sophie is in the past until the scene's almost over. You see a young boy, and then you kind of look at, "Oh, that looks like Hal." And then you see him holding something in his hands and then right before the scene ends they both turn to the camera oh that's calcifer and Hal. and then she's like look for me in the future and that's it i am a huge fan of symbolism um, in stories yeah, same. and um and fair warning to our listeners uh our next episode i there will be a lot of symbolism talk so if you're not a fan of it you're warned ahead of time but um staying on this one um this there's a lot of symbolism in this story which i really really like how they did it and again was kind of the same way with the time travel almost i didn't realize it until after the movie was done you're like oh not only are we dealing with you know, since this is a Victims and Villains podcast, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of mental health here. Uh, I mean, not only are we dealing with, obviously, Sophie, uh, there's probably people out there besides me who kind of maybe were programmed to think down on themselves <laughs> during childhood, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, you have to kind of get rid of those tapes that play over in your head that you're not good enough, that you can't take care of yourself, that you're ugly, that you're weak. We all have our tapes that we got to kind of erase to realize our true potential. And, you know, not only are we dealing with that aspect, but Hal's a mess too, uh, psychologically. Yeah, and Sophie kind of has to, that's why I love the, um, I didn't even realize it until afterwards when I was reading up on it. But when Sophie first reaches the castle, uh, I think Graham, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier. She's like the mother. She cleans everything. She's like, I'm going to clean up this place and everything like that. And it was literally trying to clear out the clutter in Hal's psyche. Uh, it was symbolic yeah. of that. Yep, that's exactly what that was. It was so messy and dirty. And like, same thing with in his room. If you look in his room, when she walks in there, there's like little trinkets and little pieces. And if you look really closely, there's like teddy bears and kids toys. And you're like, oh my God. And it makes sense so much later because his life or his like his heart, it was gone at an early age. So 
all of the things he enjoyed are probably in there, like toys and little kids things. Not like rattles, but like little toy boats, teddy bears, and all these things are in this big old room. It's so chaotic and cluttered in his room. And she like she's kind of looking around and it and that symbolism of later on when he he runs off and I think it might be a dream when she has that that nightmare and it kind of turns into like this this chasm of this tunnel of the conglomerated walls of all these pieces of 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 Howell essentially in his childhood and all these toys and just knickknacks and things those are little pieces of him but it's this dark hole and that's kind of symbolic for his depression that he's in at that point because he's turning into this monster, which he literally he like it is because he doesn't like war. And he's like, because there's a one point she goes, is that battleship ours or theirs? And he goes, does it matter? Because it's a pointless war and, and you don't realize it until you, you really pay attention what the war's over. It's because they can't find the sun because he's been cursed. Yeah. They can't find the sun, so this war is pointless, and that's the whole reason that there's a war. It's the first, it, in the background of the movie, while everybody's talking, it's the first, like, minute and a half. They're like, oh, do you hear they're ready to go to war because they can't find the, 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 the prince? And, like, I it's a big that's deal. what the reason was. Oh. Yeah, oh. It's, that's the whole reason there's a war. And so, like, Hal's like, war's stupid, I don't want to participate, so he's running. And so when all this happens and he's forced to fight and it's, it's turning him into this monster quite physically, mentally. So he's in this dark hole and it's just all so symbolic, like the literal manifestation of him turning into a monster and then, along with that hole of darkness. I think it's in that scene too where Sophie actually sees him and he's that giant monster bird. And then she's like, how? And then he's like, don't look at me. Yeah. Because he's so ashamed of, like, what he's kind of turned yeah. into. But Sophie's it's able to awful. kind of restore him more to what he really is. Which makes sense as to why he's so vain when he's in his, his like, normal form. Because he knows this monster he's slowly turning into by having to work for the king and help the, the battles and the fights, even though he doesn't want to. It's so, it's so symbolic because he feels himself turning into this monster. So he pretends to be this beautiful, this beautiful man who's got like white hair and just, you know, all these things when, when at the end of the day he turns into this monster. And so it, it's this facade he puts on. It's, it was, I don't know. It, the sim, the symbolism was. I could go on and on about symbolism as well. So well, I, I appreciated it a lot. Well, maybe I misunderstood. I I thought he because I did get a little confused at this point. So maybe maybe I misunderstood it. But I thought he he was part of because there's two countries, but I think it mainly focuses on the one where we see in that are at war, and the one he where we see he was he was a part. He was in training to be like the. I don't know, like sorcerer, like the grand sorcerer, grand sorcerer, yeah, for the kingdom and stuff like that. And then he kind of ran because he didn't he didn't want the war, I guess, or something like that. And that he was kind of being hunted by them, and so he because became this bird creature and kind of tried to like stop the war from destroying towns because he felt so guilty about once being a part of that mechanism. So it kind of like, right. In addition to him losing his heart as a child, it was kind of like a guilt thing he had going on top of all oh, that for sure but, his depression. but even calcifer says the more you know the more you turn into this creature right you're not going to be able to come back like this creature is how they're winning the war because he says oh all the others have turned themselves into monsters for the king he says that at one point. Oh, yeah, you're right. So it makes me yeah. wonder if that if that's like a power and eventually they turn themselves kind of like when your mom's like, oh, if you keep making that face, it's going to stay that way. Kind of like that whole idea. If you keep fighting this war and being this monster for the king, you're going to stay that way, whether it's physically or mentally. They don't really explain, which I don't think they need to because the, the symbolism is intense and great throughout the whole movie. But you see it later when he shoots off a, like a, like a power and his arm stays all like scaly. 
You mm-hmm. see it, and it physically manifests on his arm, and he hides it behind him, and Sophie kind of sees it, and he's all ashamed of it, and it was just, is it, like, a physical? Is it, like, mentally? There's there's so much to kind of read into about it. Either way, it's it, it's a pointless war. How Howell even's like, I don't want to be a part of this, but because she trained me, I signed this thing that was like, I got to fight for you, and it's it's so sad. That's why it's the black door you know, yes. nobody's allowed to go in there. Black, bad, dark, darkness. It's it's so it's symbolic. It's a dark psyche. Yeah. One that's full of smoke and flames and stuff. Like when how like at one point he steps out, he turns into the bird form and he flies out of that into the battle. How would you guys like to help us get mental health resources into schools, conventions, and other events? Well now you can. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains for as little as $1 a month. You guys can help us get mental health resources into current and upcoming generations. Educate and break down stigma surrounding mental health, suicide, and depression. And you get exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. And you guys can tell us which Nicolas Cage movie you want us to cover, and we'll do it. All it takes to get started is to go to patreon.com forward slash victims and villains or simply click the link in the episode description wherever you guys are currently listening or streaming this episode. Pick your tier and get started today. Yes, it's that simple. So quickly select the tier that you want and help us get hope into the hands of the depressed and the suicidal today. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One more thing I wanted to just kind of touch on before we ended it. The whole idea of, the, it, it kind of ties to the symbolism, the idea of a heart. One of my favorite things is, and I'm sure everybody who's ever seen this movie knows this quote, but a heart's a heavy burden. Because it's it's so true, because it's this big idea that Howl's cursed, essentially, and and he's got this this heart that, that he doesn't have. And whether it's the fact that he has it or not, it's it's a heavy burden. And then when you think about it, she cares about Howell, Sophie. So she's all stressed out and she's trying to help him. And she, she cries sometimes and she's scared for him. And saying, like, a heart's a heavy burden. Like, this is a burden that you, you choose to have when you're not thinking literally. When you love someone, that's a burden you you're willingly take on because you care about them. So their worries become your worries and their well-being becomes your important, you know, things that you have on your plate. But you choose that because you love them. And so that whole idea of like a heart's a heavy burden is just it was just so poetic and simple and beautiful. And it so much packed into just such a simple sentence. It was just I love it. Uh, and there's one more thing I wanted to add that I think kind of puts a nice bow on Sophie's character arc in the movie. At the beginning of the movie, she ties so much into her appearance and, oh, well, no one would ever love me. I'm ugly. And then by the end of the movie, you see she has this found family. And it turns out not only does Hal love her, but the lost prince who she met at the beginning of the movie, who's been turned into <sighs> Scarecrow, she names Turniphead. Doesn't he say something like, uh, your love turned me back into my true form or something? Or yeah, and that kind of makes sense that she's a witch, because I'm like, oh my god, she was so kind to him from start to finish, and it turns out he's the prince, he goes, I'm gonna go end this stupid war, basically, yeah. but it was your love that, that enabled me to come back to who I was, and I was just like, oh, oh my god, she's, she's amazing, and, and I love this prince, and I love all the things. Yeah, and then he sees that she doesn't that his love is not reciprocated, and he's just like, okay, whatever. Um, anyway, I'm gonna go in the war. See you guys. Thanks for helping me. Right? She's like, well, I already love somebody, and he's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna go end this war. Bye. And I'm like, that was like way too easy. 
that, that, that was really sweet, but oh my god, that was intense because he's such a he's such an important character because he's the one who essentially helps her find Howl, like Howl's castle, <laughs> essentially. And she he helps her when she feels like she has no one, and she helps him when he's in need. And it's just this this cohesive like friendship they have, and it's just oh my heart. We could also talk about Calspar and, and Hal's and their connection, too, with the harp. I mean, heart's so central to this. I think besides inner beauty or inner power, things aren't what they seem. It, it shows that, like, the heart is is really the most powerful force there is because it's really Sophia's heart that kind of heals Hal, ends the war, you know, does all these amazing uh, things. Powers and, the castle. Yeah, powers the castle, literally. So, I mean... yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just shows the power of love. And again, that's why I guess I was saying at the beginning, power of love is is so, I mean, not that it's not true or not that I don't enjoy seeing it, but I mean, it, it's done a lot. But I just uh, did it, I think, in a, in a new way. And I really appreciated the way. Yeah, it was refreshing. It. Yes, exactly. For sure. Refreshing is a good term. And and because kind of rounding back out to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, kind of like the the way things change throughout the movie and this metamorphosis of both appearance and characterization and relationship and just everything kind of changes throughout the movie. And 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 my other favorite quote was the thing that you can always count on is that hearts always change. Right. You know, and, and I thought that was a beautiful like it was like one of the last things in the movie. And I thought that was like a really good way to kind of wrap it up because essentially whether it's, Oh, Howl's heartless or, or, or Sophie thinks she's, she's not good enough or pretty enough. And, and she's not confident all these things throughout the movie. They, they're changing for the better by the end. And yeah, hearts, hearts will always change. And, and I thought that was just, poetic as well yeah i mean sophie didn't think she was lovable for i mean for lack of a better term that's essentially what she thought at the beginning of the movie and as soon as all those characters including sophie let love in change occurred we're talking from the witch of the waste all the way to Hal to sophie to calcifer my god also for a quick second the fact that sophie just takes the witch of the waste in when she becomes this helpless old lady Uh, (laughs) <laughs> was just really sweet. It just shows how selfless she is. Like, she's all bitter about it for, like, all of five minutes. And then she's, like, straight up spoon-feeding her. And, like... And the dog, too, because the dog, remember, is, is a <laughs> agent. And then she's like, well, I don't trust you for, like... She does that for, like, five <laughs> minutes. And she's like, all right, fine. You can come along with us. <laughs> right? And even how, like, do we have to bring them? She's like, well, I guess they're here now. Like, yeah. <laughs> and this, this whole little ragtag family... I know we touched yeah. a lot on found family last season, but I just, as somebody who my main family is essentially my found family for the most part, it's so important to capitalize the whole, I really appreciate, I don't want to say capitalize is the right word, but really like focus on the importance of found family because these are the people that they don't have to love you. They don't have to support you, but they choose to because they think you're worth it. And I think that's really important to kind of take away from that is that even if you're down on yourself, you don't feel like you're lovable, you feel important, like somebody out there thinks you are. And I think that's at the end of the day, what we all need is someone who thinks that we're everything, even if we don't think we are. And there's somebody like that out there for everybody, whether you found them or not, whether they are your actual family or not. Like just the fact that you love somebody and they love you, whether it's platonic or, or romantic or whatever, I think that helps us see the beauty of ourselves and it helps us with our confidence. It helps us feel stronger, like just like Sophie. So, and I would say it's a two-way street, or at least it, that's what's shown in this movie, and I, I, I yeah. also believe it, too. I mean, it's it's not only being loved, but giving love, you know, because Sophie gives love freely, and then it's returned to her throughout the movie, and I think that's, and, and that happens to kind of all the characters. As soon as they give love, you know, and allow love to be received, they give love, or, you know, 
it, it depends on which character. But, you know, as soon as they basically allow themselves to be loved and they give love, that that's when things start changing for the better. And I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about love breaking the curse and stuff. That same thing happens in Spirited Away, if you'll remember. That is um, true. When Haku, yep. when he's controlled yep. or whatever, and then they're like, oh, what's wrong with him? And they're like, oh... Oh, that uh, that curse or whatever you you broke it. That uh, that other thing you were worried about that that wasn't anything. It was your, your love that uh, broke the curse on him? And that's it was not- like nothing because she didn't even think about it. But yeah, no, that that seems like a, a common a common thing. That's honestly, I wouldn't doubt that Miyazaki like decided. That's his name, right? And my brain's like. <laughs> You're asking me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long day. But yeah, that's I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like one of the reasons he chose it because it kind of fits his MO. Ponyo's the same way. I mean, I was shocked when I read it wasn't an original, like that yeah. he, it was a book originally. I'm same. like, really? Because this seems right up his alley. <laughs> yeah. There were some things that like he kind of tweaked or like made kind of relevant based on world events. Like part of like part of the emphasis on the war in this was directly in response to what was going on in Iraq in the early 2000s. And I think he was, I think he won an award, like an Academy Award for this. I can't quite remember, but he refused to show up as part of the protest against that. And I think a lot of the emphasis on being against war and being for love and the power of love and the power of the heart and its ability to change was all tied in and yeah like you said fits his mo very much as you see across his body of work honestly i think it's just a powerful movie that really accentuates the strengths of miyazaki as a storyteller artist all of that and I will say it's probably top five anime movies. Hmm. I, I really appreciated just the use of symbolism. Time travel surprised me, but they did it in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and just just the change, the, the physical character changes and the emotional character changes and the relationship changes. It, it was just... It was really well done, and I wasn't left with a lot of questions, so I dig it. I think that does it. That was a, another heartwarming masterpiece from Hayao Mizaki. There you go, Hayao Mizaki. <laughs> We've only done three things by him so far. <laughs> but I, I think they're all masterpieces, and we'll probably be doing at least one more this season. Too. So if you're also a fan of his, as you can tell the three of us are, but if you're also a fan of his, stay tuned for another one of his. But yeah, I think that covers uh, this movie for us. So I, woo, we uh, made it through our uh, first episode of season two. Yay. Um, we did it. We got here. Next episode, we will be celebrating Wolfie Newt. Uh, which is its real holiday. It comes out in New Zealand. You can look it up if you've never heard of it before. But um, <laughs> to celebrate with Wolfie Newt, we will be doing the series Wolf's Reign, um, which none of the three of us had seen <laughs> before uh, we decided to do that episode. So I think it's um, came out in the early 2000s. It was one of those, for those of you who listened to last season, it was one of these ones that like, I saw on commercials for in Cartoon Network. So it was released in Cartoon Network in the early 2000s. And it's basically about, well, uh, we'll get into what it's about next episode. But essentially, it's about a group of wolves looking for paradise. And let's just leave it at that, because if we go any deeper, we're going to be here for another hour. <laughs> and we won't have anything to talk about next episode. So, um, <laughs> so join us for that, especially if you are, like me, a wolf fan. And I will warn everybody, we will be talking a lot of symbolism, and we will be talking a lot of wolves next episode. So <laughs> till then, you can reach out to us with any special requests, or you want to... Um, um, you know, add to the conversation or just say hi at animindpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, follow us, uh, you know, in between episodes, because you just can't get enough of the three of us, uh, where can they, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at Danny Ari Cosplay on Twitter, uh, where sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I disappear for months. Uh, and then Kittens and Caffeine on Twitch, which I have done intermittently and, and you can find me on twitter at mad shellfish too and surprisingly shocker i know 
you'll find me posting nerdy stuff about like anime and fighting games and stuff like that. I have actually since last season joined Twitter as well. Uh, I think we one we, of us, one yeah. of us. <laughs> I think uh, Graham. I think we've talked about how to eat pizza and how to put the toilet roll up, yeah. toilet paper roll properly the, the so far. <laughs> The objective way to put a toilet paper roll is over, and I will not elaborate further. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have cats. Sorry. <laughs> that did come up a lot in the uh, in the in the heated conversation that was on Twitter. But um, besides <laughs> besides those burning topics that we we all need to really kind of address, um, <laughs> I also um, you can follow my writing. I'm a writer. I have a uh, short story called Burden that was published in an anthology called This Is Halloween by Free Minds Publication. Uh, it's available on Kindle. And I have a uh, novel. My novel's coming out December 15th called Dreaming. I think uh, when we did the live episode, I think I said it was number 23rd, but it got, it got pushed back. And um, I also have uh, an episode of, um, I think, yeah, it was just released, uh, the fourth episode of Emotional on uh, the Victims and Villains Mother podcast you can listen to as well, called Pleasure's Ecstasy. So if you need to keep track of all these writing things I got going on, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew A. Basil. And uh, Basil is spelled just like the spice, but with an E on the end. So also, if you want to follow our parent company, Victims and Villains, uh, you can go to victimsandvillains.net. Uh, there you'll see uh, links to their Facebook, Twitter as well. They're also joining the Twitter party. Uh, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube accounts. Uh, Victimsandvillains.net also has movie resources, movie reviews, podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. And most importantly, our mental health resource library is available on Victimsandvillains.net. So you can get help in case you don't have a Sophie to declutter your messed up psyche like how <laughs> like Hal's fortunate to have. So that will do it for our uh, first episode of season two. Until next time, keep both your mental health and anime on the mind.